Today's episode of the Ringer NBA show is brought to you by Yahoo Daily Fantasy. Yahoo Daily Fantasy coming out of All-Star Weekend hot. Every day they're running a zero management fee fantasy basketball contest. That means Yahoo is making nothing on this contest and equals better odds for you to win. One in five people who play will at least double their entry fee. Tired of playing against people with 150 entries? Well, there's a limit of 10 entries per person, so don't miss these contests. Go to yahoo.com slash daily fantasy to play. Use promo code yahoo25 when you make your first deposit for $25 in free play. The Ringer NBA show is also brought to you by Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight makes it easy to book awesome hotels at amazing rates. They're like a matchmaker between top-rated hotels with unsold rooms and people who want to book those rooms. And Hotel Tonight isn't just for last-minute bookings. You could book for tonight, tomorrow, and beyond. It's perfect for planners, procrastinators, and everyone in between. Find sweet deals at cool hotels you'll actually want to stay at. Go to hoteltonight.com or download the app now. Basketball is very good. The Wizards underpaid John Wall. AD should resign with the Pelicans. The Nets actually won the Celtics trade. Basketball is very good. Hello and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. This is the group chat. I am Justin Verrier. Joining me as always, the nap god, Haley O'Shaughnessy. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. And to her left, Paolo Getty. What's up? Hi everyone. We are back. The NBA is back tonight. It's Thursday. Uh, it seems like it didn't really leave, though. Uh, I always find it funny when people are on Twitter during the All-Star break. And they're like, oh, man, what am I going to do with my free time? Just go outside, guys. Yeah, Does shout it- out to Tristan Thompson. The NBA never stops. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, the NBA never stops, and apparently neither does he. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to start it off. Uh, just to start us here, thank you for all your submissions. A lot Incredible. of really good takes. The what one was that, the best one? The one that probably yeah. won't get there was my personal favorite, which was that Kawhi's big hands aren't a real advantage. Yeah. Just an incredible take. That's really that's like that's like a Justin Verrier take right there. hundred percent. My favorite was, and I think this was the best one, was just like the Wiz underpaid. John Wall, yeah. which is just next level. And that one got a lot of likes from from the people. And I feel like, you know, crowdsourcing your takes on your podcast intro is the way to, only way to do it, you know? That's our, that's our, um, that's our MO right now. <laughs> so the NBA is back, but we're going to start with some college basketball, uh, which happened last night. A big thing that's probably going to affect the NBA next season in, in ways that may be bigger than a lot of players that are, are playing now. Uh, Zion Williamson obviously got hurt last night. His left shoe busted open uh, and as a result his kind of his right leg contorted and I believe he suffered a knee sprain a mild knee sprain is what they're calling it first off it's good to see that he's doing okay yeah he's really good I haven't really watched much of Duke but uh, you know clearly he's going to be a big deal in the NBA Uh, I guess the question for us here though is should Zion shut it down as a result of this mishap you know I I think it would have been interesting to see like like you said it I'm glad it was nothing too serious, but I'm wondering what the conversation would have been like if it was something serious. Because we're talking about Zion as if, you know, he's the next Anthony Davis, next LeBron James type of prospect. Mm-hmm. And to have that individual who has so much potential, not just from a basketball standpoint, but from a financial standpoint, be playing uh, for nothing right now and basically put his like career on the line in terms of injuries. Like, I wonder what that rhetoric would have been like. But I I do think now I, I would personally say yes, like just shut him down. Like if I was like his camp or whatever, like he's 
being considered number one draft pick for sure right now. Everybody's mm-hmm. talking about him as if, as if he's guaranteed that. And to your so, point, I asked Danny this last night if like if this was a serious injury, should we write about if Zion should still be number one? And his sure. response was if he's he would only not go number one if he couldn't play for two years because <laughs> that's how good of a prospect we're looking yeah. at right now. But I, I think it's interesting. Um, I think you're right that if this had been like a catastrophic injury, we would be probably rallying against the NCAA right now. We would yeah, be or, having our pitchforks out. And, right. Well, we were rallying against the NCAA before the game. Yeah, because, because of the they were talking thing, about the right? ticket prices. Yeah, it was pretty right, ominous which, timing. The, the tickets, ticket prices were like, what, two grand? They were, as clo- they were basically Super Bowl ticket pr- prices to go see Duke UNC last night. Yeah. And it's interesting the way that the the tweets, the Sports Center tweets were painting it where they were like, everyone's so excited to see Zion. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. yeah, no shit. And he gets injured in <laughs> right. this game and he's not it's getting like paid for this. The NCAA in like a snapshot right there. And you know, yeah. we see this a lot in football where if it's a season that is not necessarily going anywhere, maybe it's, you know, a bowl is what it comes yeah. out to, then the player will rest and there's a lot of discussion about whether that's right or wrong. I personally think it's fine. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. go get your money. Right. But the thing about Duke that's different is that Duke is very much going to be in the tournament, very much going to have a shot at the national championship. So that would be a different decision that yeah. he had to make. And the other thing too is like, if you read a lot of his quotes and and he, he, has, he hasn't had that many, but you know, he had a GQ interview the other day mm-hmm. and like, he sounds like the type of guy who, probably thinks about the future and the money and the NBA and all that definitely in, in his mind but you can tell he just loves this is maybe cliche but like likes playing the game and like would probably if he had the, if, if it was this call it sounded to me like he would continue playing yeah. so maybe he will come back and play but I you know how do you weigh those uh, the pros and cons there yeah yeah I definitely agree with everything you guys are saying I think that guy should be able to go straight into the pros there's no real reason other than uh, well, for the NBA side of things, like you, you get a more established product. Sure. And I think Zion is the prime example of that because he's become more of a celebrity as a result of playing at Duke. And he's become almost like more of a cult-like figure than he was going into. I mean, I don't think that we were talking about yeah. him as the unquestionable, like number one draft pick going mm-hmm. into the college season, right? It was yeah. like, maybe it's Zion, maybe it's Reddish, maybe it's Barrett. There's some other guys in the mix. Right. And all of a sudden now he's the superstar. So there's that to it. Uh, I guess the devil's advocate would be what you're saying, Paulo. Is just uh, it reminds me a lot of when the Warriors were going for that big record a couple years ago, where it probably wasn't in their sure. best interest. 2015, 16. Yeah. So yeah. like when when yeah. they when they had the uh, the 73 wins, they had the I think it was like 26 or 28 wins. I can't remember the streak Something where they like ultimately that, yeah. got beat in Milwaukee. Right. It probably wasn't to their best in their best interest to go for it. Well, no, then they lost the title. Exactly, because yeah. they were burnt out. And I feel like it's the same thing with Zion, where it's it seems like a pretty special situation that they have down there. This is as close to like the Fab Four, I think, that we've gotten in a really long time. Yeah. Uh, and just look at that atmosphere last night. Barack Obama is playing at your game. So in I think, a dope bomber jacket. Yeah, with right. 44 like, embroidered on it. No, it was great. It was a great look. great look. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, too, right? It's become an outsized, like, sort of show and like mm-hmm. i do i do think your point is interesting about like if this would have been this way if he wouldn't have gone to college you would have gone straight from if if he could go straight from high school like i think he still would probably been like the top one two picks or whatever sure. but it, but it it does the college effect does create some sort of like cult like vibe to it, mm-hmm. it in, like a positive one you know well, especially if you're going especially if you're going to duke 
Yeah. That is very much you're going there and you're going to be proud that you're a blue devil. And, you know, actually, Chris and I talk about this. Like, Kevin Durant was with the Longhorns for a year. And mm-hmm. yet he's still so loyal to them, is always, like, wearing their shirts, cheering for them, tweeting about them. It's the same way if you go to a big program like Duke. You're going there because of Coach K. You're going there because of the exposure. But also you're probably going there because you're a huge basketball fan and it's something you've always wanted to do. Yeah, I, I think the big thing there is just it was your choice to go there. If you're in the NBA, you don't get to choose your team until your second contract oftentimes because while you do theoretically have the choice after four or so years, uh, you are a restricted free agent, so it's it's better off and guys ultimately just accept that second deal for max money and then they force their way out way too soon, but that's a whole other issue. But I think this is a good segue into Kyrie Irving because he's become kind of... Uh, I don't know if disgruntled is the, the right word, but he's definitely become <laughs> perturbed at any like perturbed, at, yeah, perturbed at any any like questions about what he's doing in his free time. Um, I think he probably doesn't have as much grounds considering that his free time can, was spent uh, in Miami with Kevin Durant, right? And it seemed like there were cameras that caught him there. Uh, but it, it there's a lot of there's a big kerfuffle over yeah. Kyrie Irving's upcoming decision, uh, his first time when he will be a free agent. And I think the the interesting thing there is um, he had to sit down with Rachel Nichols in which he pretty much said everything you wouldn't want your star player to say. (laughs) Sure. Uh, So this is the list of things that Kyrie admitted. Um, He said that it's been a trying year for us because we basically have a lot of young men in our locker room who feel like they're capable of doing a lot more than they're doing. I just want to say, sorry to interject real quick, Mm -hmm. but they are capable of a lot more than they're doing. Last year, they went to the Eastern Conference Finals, and Terry Rozier played the most playoff minutes of anyone Mm -hmm. in the postseason who was on the Celtics. And so, and after him, it was Jason Tatum, and then Al Horford, which is expected, and then after him, Jalen Brown. And they went that far. And to say it in this way, they think they can do a lot more than they're doing, that's probably going to make them feel very disrespected. And yeah. this is that's absolutely not the way to try to to encourage them to play up to a level even though they're having a reduced role. Right. And to that point, uh, Kyrie actually named Terry Rozier in in these comments. He said he called him a natural competition. And he said, no one wants to say it, but I will. I, I, that's a, that's the tagline for Kyrie Irving in 2019. <laughs> no one wants to say it, but I will. Yeah. And he's like, maybe you don't have to say it. How's that? You know, like, I, I think a lot of this, like, I mean, from our perspective, it's great because there's stuff to talk about, right? But mm-hmm. at the same time, like, there's, he could be approaching this so much, you know, like, so much better. It, it could be so much easier on him if he just kind of took a step back and even, like, said a cliche once in a while, mm-hmm. you know? And it, but it's instead, it's all just this sort of, I don't even know what to call it, this, this projection of himself as a leader. When, for one, he's also still 26 like it's not like he's some like you know 30 year old veteran right first of all second of all and went to a team where all of a sudden he was the best player and maybe not the most senior in terms of age but the most senior in terms of talent and experience yeah exactly my thing is just how 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 can you sort of project yourself as a leader not just by saying some of this stuff but also with the other situation you have going where jason tatum is never going to do this but he could easily come back at him and be like well we don't even know if you want to be here in the long term. So how are we supposed to trust that you want to be our leader? You know, obviously that's yeah. the thing where like players don't really do that because they're like, go get your money, like free agency, whatever. Like they're usually pretty good about that. But I wonder if there's an underlying current of this going through the locker room too. Yeah. Th- 
the kind of takeaway I've had from this entire thing is kind of be careful what you wish for. Mm-hmm. It, it does seem like the Celtics weren't on his original list when he wanted to leave Cleveland. And I think that's really important. Um, he ultimately settled on the Celtics when that became an option and he kind of embraced it. But it does feel like he's having second thoughts about that whole decision. And I think that's the important thing I was trying to get at uh, from the start of this discussion is just that Kyrie did not choose the Celtics. And I think that be, his own, by his own doing, he leaned into the fact that he was the leader of this team. Uh, and then also it seemed like the Celtics were willing to put him in that position. But I ultimately... I don't fault him for wanting to back out of this now because, again, he didn't choose the situation. He got traded there. Right. But also, in a way, this was a situation that he was asking for. I don't fault him for leaving if he didn't want to, but this is what he wanted. I think he just might have realized he didn't want it. It's the same thing when he called LeBron and said, this was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be, and I owe you an apology. Nothing's wrong with any of that. If anything, those are the good things that— we know we can all defend Kyrie for. But speaking out in this way against the young players, against, I mean, not really the organization per se, but like the rest of the roster. And then there was that one game when he wanted the ball and Gordon Hayward passed it to... I think it was Tatum. Tatum. To Tatum. Yeah. Tatum. He took that corner yep. three shot. I mean, he was speaking out against Brad Stevens at that point. It's just, this is not the way to go quietly into the night if you don't want to be a <laughs> yeah, Celtic I mean, anymore. It, it, it also is one of those things where, not to take it all the way back to him talking about the flat earth, but it's always been a case. I was thinking that. It's always been a case of him saying too much. Yeah. Beginning of the season, he said too much by being like, I'm going to be back. Like, I'm going to be here in the long term if you guys want me I'm or whatever. Resign. Yeah. And it's like, you really do not have to do that. Nobody's asking you to do that. You're just like putting yourself in a bad position. That is so true. And, and then later after the, it's like the same thing with the flatter thing. He was like, oh no, I was kidding. Like you guys took it <laughs> yeah. too seriously. And now he wants to say like, oh, like, like retract on that earlier and the thought on the declaration he had before the season. And it's like, you can do that. Like you have, nobody's going to stop you. But do you realize like, Words kind of matter. the effect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Words matter. He's mad at everyone for reading too deeply into his actions or into his social life, but he's partly to blame here because of things he said in the past and right. he's being held accountable for them. I guess the devil's advocate, which I don't know, I'm kind of on the fence in this one, but I do feel like we're getting to the point where we're treating some of these stars almost as if they're like political candidates where we're, yeah. we have everything they've said over the course of their lives. And if they flip flop on it, we're sure. right there to like hold him against the wall and be like, well, you said this no, like, that's a two great, years yeah, ago. That's a great point. And he is 26. I guess on the other hand, though, he is saying that he's the mature one of this whole situation. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> like he wants to have it in every he wants to have way. Every, yep. You know, and I, you and I were talking about this uh, yesterday, which I think we can agree on, which is just there is an aspect to this that social media, how it contributes to the narrative. And even he, in his quotes yesterday, sort of touched on that, which is, you know, like he said, like, basically putting fake stuff over stuff that happened. Like, yeah, well, let me read those yeah, real quick. Yeah, though. He, so he and, and KD were basically spotted together in, in Miami. It kind of like trickled out in the same way things often do uh, on the internet. It was like Reddit or like maybe the like tweets or I don't really know what the kids are doing these days. Um, but he, the media approached him about it. The way it seemed based on just the recording of that, like press scrum was that one of the reporters wanted to talk to him about it first before they wrote about it to give him a chance to respond to it. And his response was basically, why the hell are you asking me about this? The, the full quote, and this is from Jay King, 
who I believe writes for The Athletic. Uh, it's a video of me and one of my best friends talking, and then it turns out to be a dissection of a free agency meeting. Do you get that? Like, do you get that? <laughs> and then I'm asked questions about that. That's what disconnect, disconnects me from all that shit. This is crazy. This doesn't make the league fun. It's like Paolo said, you can't have it both ways. Yeah. If you don't want anyone to pay attention to what you're doing, then be a Kwai and just go away completely unless you have to absolutely talk. And, you know, I'm sorry, but like this is too many people what makes the league fun. This is yeah. These kind of things are what's turned the league from a however many month season right. to a year-round thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is the league is increasingly running on that as like its fuel. The... Everything that's happening off the court, the unknowns, like any sort of like tidbit of free agency fodder gets augmented, in, especially inside Twitter, I, I think. And, you know, maybe that is a bubble that we maybe shouldn't consider in the large sense of things. But it is sort of what is driving a lot of these narratives because reporters see conversations on Twitter and then ask the players about that, you know, which is understandable. But I do, I do think he has a point in terms of like saying that the the he he specifically mentioned sort of the fake stuff and i like i just noticed that like people reading in like maybe way too hard in on those videos like trying to lip read what Kyrie's telling durant like maybe that's just like a bridge too far right but, like they wouldn't talk about it like at a restaurant yeah i yeah it's also just like i don't i don't know where that line is right at the same time like i was telling justin yesterday if you're an nba superstar there's almost like a now you kind of have to know how people are going to react or take these things like there's I don't want to say responsibility to that because I don't want to hold them to that because they just probably want to play basketball but because there is so much attention on the free agency status uh, like status of them and they're leaning into it they have to think of the reaction side too it also is very relevant if you're friends with somebody in 2019 I mean Mm -hmm. look at ever since like you know LeBron and Wade teamed up they were you and Paolo me and Paolo I was gonna I was gonna say when I read this like we're best friends. <laughs> if anyone is analyzing our constant conversations, that would be old. But this is very much like, you know, we are looking for every indication this is. Paul George and Russell Westbrook became good friends. Mm-hmm. It it matters if you are friends because all of a sudden, a lot of NBA free agency is teaming up with each other. And we haven't touched on this, but the thing that sort of kickstarted all of this was a very very obvious move by the Knicks to trade Porzingis and clear to max slots. And it's like, when you make that move, it, that's that's when the question started going at Durant and, and, and Irving, which is right. not their fault, but it's just the nature of, you know, right. us knowing what's going, what that looks like. Yeah, things are happening way earlier than they have in the past. I think, based on something you said earlier, Paulo, I, it does feel like, even though there has been an element of celebrity, like journalism, I guess, or just like entertainment pop culture, uh, to basketball for years now, it just feels like that's heightened in a way that like I haven't seen in the time that I've covered the league. Uh, I and, think it's because relationships matter more, and that's the between thing. Between like, players yeah. on different teams, and, and I, I think it's mm-hmm. almost like people who are dating, like celebrity yeah. couples. Sure. We are interested in Katie and Kyrie on a tr- on a friendship like tryst. I think it's in less Miami. weird actually with the NBA because we know it's job related right yes this has a direct impact to, like, on your team yeah life. that's that's unless that's it's Tristan Thompson <laughs> 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 it <was> just <laughs> and, and then we are. <laughs> wait but it, how much do you think the Warriors aspect of this matters into the like factors into this too because I wonder if the games are more I mean the games are great the games are competitive but to us we are diehards right but maybe to the average fan who's sort of like vaguely familiar with like 
the free agency side, that looks more appealing than like realizing, oh, the Warriors are just going to win at the end of the year. Because you know the Warriors present this inevitability yeah. that we have to turn our attention to something else. I mean, it's crazy how much we talk about free agency in the large context of the NBA. It's It probably has exacerbated it for sure. Yeah. I think this seemed to be burbling even before LeBron James went to Miami. Mm-hmm. I think you could definitely tell based on like traffic patterns on website that like people really cared about this stuff. I guess I'm just confused why this has become such a big deal in the NBA to the point where it's superseded like even the basketball product. I do think there's something to what you were saying before about this bubble that's forming or almost this like, (laughs) not to make like to bring this into the political realm, but it does feel like part of the country really just wants to watch like good teams play (laughs) basketball. And then there's this other subsection, basically all on Twitter where all we want to discuss are like Mm -hmm. the political machinations of like who's playing with whom and like who's friends with whom and uh, like who went to dinner with whom and, and like, what Anthony Davis is going to say tomorrow. I feel like it happened in basketball because the players are the most visible and also the NBA has given them the space to be the most interesting characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think LeBron definitely said, you know, kind of like, it was a trailblazer in that sense and sort of like (laughs) encompassing the player movement aspect of it, the player power aspect of it and combining it into a thing that now became as big a storyline as what was happening on the court. I mean... I do wonder how the league feels about it, right? And I know Adam Silver came out and was like, eh, during the All-Star break and talking about how, you know, some of the CBA stuff hasn't exactly helped in terms of, you know, keeping guys in, in some markets or whatever. Because, like, there is a question to be asked about how where does this stop, right? Like, is it just going to be, do we just have to get used to this NBA? Which, I, honestly, I would be fine with where, like, players are just moving around all the time. But mm-hmm. maybe that's not what the league wants. Yeah, I mean, we watch the league probably differently than a lot of people who... Grew sure. up in Boston, or were a hardcore Miami Heat fan that only want to watch the Miami Heat. Uh, I don't really. I I'm, just don't think that's the case anymore. I don't know. I think that there's evidence to all the time. Both. Bill talks about his son not necessarily growing up a Celtics fan, but growing up as a fan of many well, players, and just mm-hmm. from you know my I think our brothers and sisters. Yeah, yeah it's kind of it's almost the same. But it's there's more about still the like a good amount of people older than us that are very much tied to their teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think based on the whole LeBron point you brought up there, I thought it was really interesting. Mark Stein had this point uh, yesterday. So basically, LeBron came out. Uh, they're about to play their first game of this stretch run uh, tonight. Uh, they're playing. They're actually playing the Houston Rockets on TNT at seven thirty uh, Pacific. Uh, that's actually we'll, we'll call that our game of the night here. We do that once a week. Uh, this is a really interesting one, just because I'm I'm really curious to see how LeBron in particular responds. Uh, going into yeah. this, I mean, I think we, we've been talking about it on the site for the past couple of days. Zach Cram had something about what it would mean for LeBron's legacy. Uh, and then we've been doing these take meters. The to past, miss the playoffs. Yeah, whether or not they'll miss the playoffs. And if they do make the playoffs, whether or not they're the, the biggest challenge yeah. for the Lakers in the West. But um, what Did you, you write that question? I wrote all the questions. <laughs> <laughs> My response <laughs> to that was, who wrote this question? Yeah, was it? I mean, from his quotes the other day, it sounded like he's writing a quote-unquote Flip the switch. Yeah. So there we go. Actually, Riley wrote the last one, which was, should the Warriors tank the playoffs in order to keep Kevin Durant? Which I thought was (laughs) our best one yet. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know what to do with that one. Um, But yeah, that that game again, that's at 7.30 p.m. Pacific. uh, Houston against the Lakers. That's on TNT. And remember, if you want to watch every NBA game, subscribe to NBA League Pass on NBA.com or your local cable, satellite, or OTT provider. Um, but to get back to LeBron here, 
just because I think that's an, an important point there. Uh, he was basically like, I love being uncomfortable. It's <laughs> a weird thing to say to someone. Uh, his, his, he went on to say, I fall in love with being uncomfortable. This is another uncomfortable thing for me, and I love it. He really likes wow. being uncomfortable, it seems. You know, honestly, I don't think this is as weird as it sounds. If you think mm. about what the Warriors have said the last two years, it's Steve Kerr is saying quite frequently that they're bored yeah. and they need a challenge. Mm-hmm. And so I think for the, you know, they're the top competitors in the world in their sport. So I think that it makes sense that a new challenge Here's the thing. Being uncomfortable is, can help when you really need to make a push. Here's the thing. The Warriors are the one seed. Lakers are out of the playoffs right now. <laughs> it's a little bit of a different situation. Right. But I do think that LeBron thrives under pressure. And it's like he's proven that multiple times. So I just, I don't want to bet against him in terms of making the playoffs, but it's going to be tough. They have a tough stretch. Yeah. You know? And I think it's relevant to our Kyrie discussion, if only yeah. because uh, Mark's point was basically how many other players feel the way that LeBron does. LeBron loves to create chaos and try to, and kind of like rises above the fray of it all. That's how yeah. he's existed pretty much since Miami and maybe even going back into the Celtics where the reason the last game he played with the Cavaliers during his first tenure was where we thought like maybe he was injured during that Celtics series and like they they I think that was the Eastern Conference semifinals. God, it's been so long. But I, I think we've seen Kyrie kind of try to do the same thing. Basically make sure everybody doesn't rest on their laurels. Uh, you have to fall in line with what we do, and we'll we'll kind of strive for greatness together as a result of that. Uh, I think it's interesting because you've seen some of the younger players in particular on the Celtics be like, that's not really what I want to do. Yeah. I mean, I think that's interesting because it sort of goes to what we're talking about in terms of like our generation and like that also being a part of the NBA like uh, landscape, if you will, where like maybe the guys LeBron played with when he was a little bit younger kind of more amenable whereas now maybe the guys are coming up much more refined like somebody like Jason Tatum is coming into the league at a young age and already looking so polished and having that sort of like Zion a celebrity aspect to them and I wonder how that will sort of combine with these types of players these superstars who want to be the quote-unquote leaders right if there's no reason to if they've seen this last year they led this team that right. looked like it shouldn't even have made the playoffs to the Eastern Conference Finals. There's a th- very much a thing all across our generation, but I could see it in something like basketball, where if you don't have to wait your turn, it's like, why would I? Yeah, we you go, we I mean? go get it. Is what you're saying, <laughs> right? Well, it's just like if you, if they've seen that they can do it, it's probably very frustrating because there's yeah, it's no longer this type of mentality where it's like you need to wait your turn yeah and take time and sit on the bench and get in the rotation that's what i'm saying like these guys are coming in so polished already that they're the expectations are different you know you're not we put the expectations on them because now we criticize them earlier too that's another thing i think factors into this so if a player knows that you know he's already going to get a sort of backlash if he doesn't produce in the first years if he's going to be called a bust so early on then once they see an opportunity to thrive, of course they're going to want to keep that opportunity. Well, for a player like Jalen Brown, who doesn't necessarily have the same potential stardom already or have those conversations as um, Jason Tatum, having to sacrifice minutes to Gordon Hayward, who is not producing like he feels he could produce, has to be incredibly frustrating. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think it's interesting that Gordon Hayward is probably going to be out for a little bit now with an ankle sprain. So I wonder if that's actually going to help the Celtics. Not having that one guy to really like to feed, to really get in, involved in everything that they're doing. I think it'll help them in the short term, but maybe not in the long term because they need Hayward going on for, going forward. And you know, Hayward's actually been playing more aggressively lately. Yeah. Uh, he looks like he wants the ball. And once he gets the ball, he's a little, seems a little more prepared to have it for a couple seconds instead of being this spot-up guy in the corner. Mm-hmm. So he seems a little more confident, whereas before it seemed like he was shying away from everything. So I'm not sure because this is yet another thing that the Celtics will then have to figure out when he comes back, reincorporate him again. It seems like they've had so much instability, whether it's everyone's healthy and they're trying to fit them in or Kyrie's not healthy, um, Hayward's not healthy, they're not sure if he can fully come back yet. It, this is what we were saying like two months ago. They just need to pick their guys and run with it because it's getting too late in the season to be yeah. figuring things out. And Kyrie needs to stop doing interviews. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to talk about some other news and headlines. The Ringer NBA show is brought to you by Microsoft Surface. The new Microsoft Surface Pro 6 can help you get things done, whether you're on the field or running a business. Take Brian Arakpo and Michael Griffin, two former NFL teammates who have opened a cupcake shop. With the Surface Pro, they can do everything they need, from setting schedules to creating promotions for social media and designing new flavors. Plus, it's light, super fast, and has a great battery life. Brian and Michael are proving you could tackle all your passions with the power and speed of the new Surface Pro 6. All right, we're back. We're going to do a segment that we did last week, which I thought went pretty well. It's called Taking News, uh, basically looking at some of the headlines across the NBA. Yesterday was a particularly newsy day. And as we were talking about some of these things we're going to talk about here in the second segment, something else popped up. One Anthony Davis apparently is going to play tonight on Thursday uh, for the New Orleans Pelicans, despite his his little siesta. Friday. He's going, he's going to play Friday. Yes. Uh, and... In addition to that, it seems that he's also on the next episode of The Shop, <laughs> which is LeBron James's show That's on HBO. He will also be joined by Antonio Brown. <laughs> wow. This is, is there a theme? So is there a theme that you're noticing through these guests? A little bit. Yeah. They, they seem to be in similar situations. I don't honestly follow a lot of football. But it seems like he's also not having a good time. No. A guy in, Antonio, Antonio Brown was also holding out. Well, yeah. I guess at least Anthony Davis is is showing up. True. How much he's really doing when he shows up is is another question. Uh, I guess the take is like, Anthony Davis, what are you doing, guy? <laughs> it Honestly, just seem like I kind of respect how like the much they don't care. Like yeah. they're just going for it. Like this is, he's now a part of this like circle. He's on the show. He's in the agency. Clearly want, like at this point, why hide anything, Right. You've yeah, already put not, it out there. It's not fun to be a villain. He is um, leaning into it hard. Right. And he also I, had that Instagram tra- post it, yeah. yesterday where he was at Disney World and right. he just so happened to call his favorite ride like some Hollywood whatever. Oh, I didn't which, even think about it that way, but sure. Oh, I didn't read into that either. It was <laughs> probably it was probably innocent, but the fact that he didn't even like notice that oh, and catch himself from doing it, well, like, the whole that's, time that's, I was wondering how it was a Tower of Terror. Yeah, and great ride. I've been in that ride. Great ride. <laughs> how would he fit? Wow, right. oh, totally that's a great question. Great point. Great that's point. Very, that's the conversation we need air. to be having. Is that the yeah. one with the elevator? Yes. 
Well, I mean, elevators are pretty big, right? They'll That's fit true. a large human. And does, wait, the question is, does he get the Tower of Terror to himself because he's Anthony Davis? I don't think he's there yet. <laughs> no, that's, that's how you become an elite NBA player when yeah, you get the tire. Exactly. No, but I, it also felt like he was trying to lean away from it too. Like, I know you're talking about like lean into the villain aspect, but it feels like he's trying to lean away with it by trying to be like, oh, like all 29 teams are on my list or like, I'm going to do it an, Insta- work. I'm going to do an Instagram post when I it leave. Work. Like, he's not the same guy. It's as not Kevin working. Durant. I'm just saying. They're not, I don't think they're the same personality. I'm not really sure because I haven't seen Anthony Davis in this context yet. Sure. But ask Kevin Durant, it doesn't work. Yeah. You can, I mean, this is seriously, mm. it seems torn his image apart for Kevin Durant, but also within that has just torn all of his confidence apart. Mm-hmm. And he's still going through that. I saw this tweet the other day that said, could I see Kevin Durant not going where he wants to the Knicks just despite the media who's asking him if he'll go to the Knicks? Yeah. And yes, I could. I would believe that. It's totally torn away at, at any like self-efficacy that he has. Yeah. And I'm like, Anthony Davis, this is going to... Yeah. Kyrie's more... Kevin Durant and Anthony Davis is. Well, I think it's interesting because we're constantly talking about how Kyrie and KD aren't happy. But do you know those people who are like always in relationships and they always like find a way to like screw it up? And ultimately the takeaway is like, well, maybe they just don't want to be happy. That's what I think about these guys where it's just like, we're constantly like, why weren't they happy? What will make them happy? Like when will they be at their (laughs) best? Maybe they're just like that type of guy where they'll ultimately end up that way. Where they're fueled by their unhappiness. Maybe that's what makes them so good. I think it's a media cluelessness that is going to eventually have to be something that is learned. Like rookies are now learning how to have a polished self image. And it's something that they come into the league with as this, player decision era continues and people are trade, you know, forcing trades. I think that they're going to have to be aware of that and how to orchestrate it in the right way. A good example is LeBron. Mm. He definitely learned his lesson from Miami, you know, and sure. speaking of villains, he was the villain there. Yep. For I guess sure. what, what, yeah. And I, then the second time around, he really, I don't know how much of this he put into place. This is a lot of conspiracy corner, but he very much had everything on his side to leave Cleveland. He won his owner looked crazy. He <laughs> fired the GM that he liked. Right. Uh, they gave him a terrible roster. And so no one could blame him for leaving. There are plenty of Cleveland fans I talk to all the time who are still LeBron fans. Whereas before, they were burning You know a lot jersey. of Cleveland fans? I do. Oh. That's well, from the area. I, I guess the question from that is like, what is the right way? Like, what, you know, like... Yeah, I, I well, I think we talked about it earlier, where it's just like, just say cliches, which like always feels really dirty as, yeah. a, as a media member, where it's like you want these people to show any sign of like humanity and to open up a little bit. Right. And yet we're also on the other side of our mouth being like, well, don't actually say yeah. anything. Yeah, I think that's a little tough. I, I, w- I would err on the side of letting them say whatever. Because yeah. I just think it's more fun in that way. And that way they can be more honest. And I appreciate honesty. But at the same time, <laughs> When it gets to a point where, where somebody like Kyrie, where it's directly affecting, I think, the team's chemistry and 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 in success, well, then look, it Kyrie gets hasn't dicey. left yet, and he hasn't even said that he was. going to But it leave. feels like he's already left. Like he's it feels like he's already leaving. Like he's trying to do the LeBron and plant the seeds that say it's fair for him to leave. <laughs> right, because their None team of is like the same. The GM is very good. Your coach is Maybe very that's good. The approach. Yeah, they're, they're like, budding stars on your roster. Despite all of their turmoil, they're like still like top five, top three in net rating the Celtics are. So it's like if yeah. only they just like figure things out from a chemistry standpoint. But I do feel like 
Anthony Davis, like the New Orleans media culture is pretty lax. There's like there, I think there is now one traveling beat writer, but when I was there, it was only me and I only traveled occasionally. It just seems like he's been thrust into the spotlight and almost doesn't know how to operate like a political candidate, 100%. as we were saying before. And so he's saying things and he's not articulating like what he's trying to say really well. And so he keeps like flip-flopping and having to cover for himself uh, based on what he just said. And then he's just doing this weird social media stuff, which is not happening. Leaving the game the other day, also not helping. If anything, go away a little bit. You know, yeah. don't yeah. don't go on the shop, which is LeBron James's show. <laughs> you, I mean, <laughs> sure. LeBron leaned into this enough at All Star. There was the picture of them. The picture's incredible. Hands picture. And giving those like really hilarious looks <laughs> to each other. Um, I kind of love it though. Like, there was LeBron yeah. saying, you know, picking him for an sure. All Star game. No, I mean we love it, but the thing is, is that. This is a weird move to make. I don't know. I guess the question is, what is he trying to prove by doing this? Davis? Yeah, we already know you're out on the Pelicans. Don't. It, it feels honestly a little disrespectful. Yeah. The it, way it was orchestrated in the first place was disrespectful. His yeah. agent told Woj before they even told the team that he was going to request a trade. That's not how, that's not the um, order you do this in the NBA. The whole thing has been a little disrespectful as much as I want him and LeBron to play together. Mm-hmm. And this is just another element on top of that. Well, I wonder if he ends up in LA and just starts winning. Like No one will care. No, 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 it won't matter. Things go away when you... I yeah. mean, it's, just, it's the same thing with LeBron. It's the same thing with Kwai. Yeah. You can have a lot of public heat, but it goes away when you start winning. Which yeah. is why, like, it's just... It, it honestly feels like from trying to look at it from their perspective, it's like, why why not go all the way and try to force this, try to make this happen? Because we know that if we make it happen, at some point, like, once they start winning, it'll be forgotten. Yeah, I mean, and to that point, like, it does feel like throughout his career, New Orleans has only been, like, the incubator for the rest of the league. And so, like, everyone's just been waiting for him to emerge on a national stage. But on the other side of things, I think, like, Dwight Howard never recovered from this. Like, sure. He flip-flopped a lot, and it's a little bit different than Anthony Davis, but it's almost like once we, once these guys rise to the spotlight and we get a glimpse of who they really are, it's tough to kind of shake off that first impression. Dwight resisted a lot of things as the game were changing, was changing though, yeah. on the court. And so I think had he been better in games and a more willing teammate and not um, want to lean into being a traditional center, which wasn't really like where it was going, I think that the better he would have been, the more it would have went away. But you're right. It doesn't... Although with Dwight, like the way we're going to remember him, maybe not. Maybe we'll remember beginning Dwight. Maybe it depends on how old you are. How many teams was he on the last like two years? Yeah, like three years. Three, yeah. yeah, the last couple of years. He bounced from team to team. And as he left every single team... There were reports about, I can't stand that guy. Yeah. He was awful in the locker room. What's interesting though is like, maybe I just have such a like reverence for like his Orlando years because he probably should have won an MVP. And I think he was like dominant until uh, that back injury kind of just like ruined his career with the Lakers. But the fact that he has jumped around has almost like, that's such a blur now to me. I only kind of gravitate toward when things were stable and when he was in Orlando. So I don't know. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer still, um, but I think you're right. Anthony Davis is still a top five talent in this league. And if he gets onto the stage with LeBron and shows that, that's all we'll care about. To your point, that's actually now a question to a lot of people, which shocks me, is whether or not Dwight is a Hall of Famer. Oh, he's definitely a Hall of Famer. And he is. Yeah. And that's and that's an indication that nothing else that happens in his career can erase what he was. But that is very much a question that... Because I remember like 
one time I wrote about it in a piece and then I got a bunch of tweets about it and I was shocked that it was even a thing. But it is. And I don't know the age group of the people who are tweeting back at me, but if you <laughs> watched Dwight back then, there's no question. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it is that that's probably a bigger conversation, at, you know, which is like how are different players remembered? Like, I know we've had conversations about how Melo, you know, is going to be remembered. And um, I just I I think for me, it comes down to if you win, like everything is forgiven. Mm-hmm. Well, let's transition now to another all star big man who's facing a different type of difficulty. Uh, this one is is with his his legs. This is Joel Embiid. Uh, he's out for at least a week with a sore left knee. Uh, Brett Brown said there's a little bit of tendonitis in it and basically suggesting that there isn't much to be worried about here. But when it's Joel Embiid and it's an injury, I think there's a lot of cause for concern. Uh, <laughs> I thought what was really funny was like, in the midst of all this, they're just like, by the way, Furkan Korkmaz is like, has a meniscus tear. I didn't know this until like a day later because it was just so buried underneath the Joel news. Uh, but I think this is not a good sign. And the take that I'm coming away from this news is that the Sixers window is probably this season, considering everything on the horizon here. Are you guys worried about the Sixers' chances going into the playoffs? This season? I mean... <sighs> It's tough because they have, I think I wrote about this in the takes, which is like, I want to believe in their collection of top talent because it's so good. And I, I think it's it makes them a very fun team. Um, you know, I still have questions about whether they should have traded for Jimmy Butler. Uh, and then in some ways, it feels like Tobias Harris is insurance for what happens this summer with, with him. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I still think they're going to be, to me, they're the team with the highest ceiling. I would say. In the East. In the East, yeah. Which I know doesn't mean a lot because that also can mean that they have, a, you know, it, they could also have the lowest floor in that sense because of their lack of depth. Like, I wonder how they're going to do that. It doesn't look like they're going to add anybody else. It doesn't sound like it. Any, anybody else on the buyout, buyout market. So, this is their team. Embiid being out a week could set them back in a seating and then it's like they have a tougher matchup. You know, it, so mm-hmm. I, it, it, all these things matter, I think. Yeah, and I think it's going to be a showcase for that like lack of depth. Yeah. I think it's going to put a big spotlight on that. I mean, Boban is projected to start. And as we've seen, as much as we love our guy, Bobby, yeah. uh, he has some issues keeping up with certain players, uh, following probably a little bit too much for his yeah. own good. And while they're going to have to make up in scoring, too. Absolutely. Uh, and so uh, maybe they'll play a little bit smaller. I think it'll be interesting to see how they use Ben Simmons in this. I think they they can get a little bit more creative, and I think it's an opportunity for Brett Brown to show that like all of the criticism that he gets for not deploying some of these guys as, as well as he maybe should, or that's the criticism. I don't know if I necessarily agree uh, that like he could do that if needed. So I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting. I, I do think we talked about this in our take meter. Um, it, it, whether or not the, Sel- the Sixers are the best team in the East going forward, my claim against them was that despite like building this colossal starting five, they still have the biggest weak spot, which is JJ Redick. And you saw it during that Celtics game last week that they pretty much had to offense defense him already, which is not a great sign because the guy that you're throwing in there is like a Jonathan Simmons, a James Ennis. I still don't really know what those guys are on this team. You're definitely, if you have to go back on offense the next way, Jonathan Simmons is going to kill your spacing. So I don't know. I mean, how do we, how do you think? Like, I th- actually, so this is what I wrote. I think that they have potential to be the best team in the East right now, but not in the postseason. And this, I could, I would have said this before the Jimmy trade, uh, not so much actually, 
actually after Tobias, but last year should not be forgotten. Their two best players, there are clear ways to expose each of them with the right defense. Who are their two best players in your mind? Oh, Ben Simmons and Joel Mead. Okay. Both of them can be exposed. Actually, like, watch the Celtics game from last week. You know, that was terrible for Joel Embiid. He was stopped. Mm -hmm. With Ben Simmons, there is a clear blueprint on this guy's weakness that you can stop. And with what they've added, I'm not sure that it necessarily take it will take it away enough in the playoffs. That's where I I would disagree. Because I think having Jimmy and Tobias is explicitly so that when Embiid has a bad game or Simmons, you know, gets basically like not played off the floor, but is defended in a way that makes it hard because he can't shoot. And I think that's when at least that's when Jimmy should step up and, and take right, over the game. But that's the other that's the other thing is that when this kind of stuff happens in a playoff game and your two best players are not having a good series, Jimmy's going to go play hero ball. And that's not how you win a playoff well, series. I mean, you could. <laughs> like, I, I honestly think, like, we haven't seen... We've seen sort of, like, a subdued Jimmy for this, especially uh, after, you know, those reports came out that there was, like, a little bit of an ar- argument with Brett Brown. I feel like we've seen a subdued Jimmy who is just biding his time. Like, I honestly think he's explicitly going to be much more important than he's being right now in the playoffs because of that very reason. And at the same time, like, Embiid rarely has, like, he does have them against the Celtics, like you mentioned, but he... That's why I go back to the seeding, which is like if they can somehow avoid the Celtics, that would be like ideal for them. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, at least a few of these games in the playoffs are going to boil down to like isolation basketball. Yeah. And like who are you turning to exactly. on the Sixers? That's going to be Jimmy. Um, I don't know. I I don't feel as, as confident, I think, as some people do about the Sixers. If only based on what I said before. If like the East spent a lot of time at the deadline just kind of idiot-proofing their, their crunch time lineups, and while I am a little bit worried that Nikola Mirotic is just going to debut, uh, I believe tonight on Thursday against the Celtics, so that, that's like an interesting like pilot episode for that starting lineup. Uh, I think that lineup works a little bit better than the Sixers does, uh, and obviously the Raptors just like have something going there. It, it honestly, it, it's it's kind of boring to say it, but a lot of this is probably going to come down to injuries. Yeah, which is why this is kind of. So disheartening, I guess, for the Sixers. Because of their depth, yeah. Because of their depth. And also, like, this is the time they need to really figure that line out. Right. A lot, yeah. Injury-wise, that conversation extends past this season. Then mm-hmm. you're talking yeah. about, is this their window? And Kevin O'Connor was saying it in Slack. They kind of need to think about the short term now. Yeah. And I, I said this at the time of the trade. I think that tr- to get Tobias, he's a really good player, but the trade wasn't particularly all that artfully crafted because now you're going to have to re sign Jimmy and Tobias. They gave, they gave a, away a lot. They, they couldn't get back bankrupt. Avery Bradley or Patrick, Patrick Beverly, too, which I think is in retrospect, it's going to look kind of. I don't know what, you know, what the negotiations were like, obviously, but if they could have gotten one of those two guys, I would feel, Patrick, I would definitely feel a little Patrick better. Patrick Beverly would have solved a lot of problems. <laughs> He he really would have. Yeah, no, and I I think it's a really important lesson. Like we always talk about all these all these big moves and whatnot, but like some of the like the fringier stuff that teams do ultimately has like this big ripple effect. And I yeah. I, I kind of love it because you do have situations where, um, like the, even looking at Anthony Davis, a lot of like the issues they're having now is because they made one or two bad moves in like the middle tier. And just those things just add up over and over. The in Raptors time. are the perfect example of positive ripple effects. Yeah. Look at all the guys that like with second round picks with late firsts uh, they've nailed. And as a result, they were able to get DeMar and then they were able to bring in Marcus Hall. 
So we'll see how that plays out. Um, but I think that's it for us for this week, for Paulo, for Haley, for Bobby Wagner. This has been NBA Group Chat. Basketball is very good. Basketball is very good.